Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Thursday, March 30th, in that wonderful year of 2023, which is proving to be more insane than I think we ever imagined. Could you imagine growing up and someone saying, hey, by the way, when you get to be in the year 2023, um, you're going to see a world where young children are encouraged to chop off their weenies. And you're going to have a whole bunch of people that are going to threaten to kill everybody that don't support that action. And the dollar is going to fall apart. And you're going to have a pedophile for a president. I don't think I'd be able to digest that. I, I, I would be like, you've got to be out of your mind. And yet, and yet, that is our reality. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I could imagine it. All right, just before we get going, Field of Greens, folks. Field of Greens, a great product. It's a full-body, organic, whole food supplement. I love it. Excited about the company. It is a product that is loaded with antioxidants. It's going to boost immunity. It's supporting complete body health metabolism. It's a source of vitamins and minerals for your body, everything you need. And everything is specifically designed for different parts of your body to boost it. And that's literally the whole food component. Foods are freeze-dried and then turned into a powder. So you get the whole food. They're all organically grown, which itself is amazing. It's made in the United States. Their headquarters is in Texas. It The whole formulation is done by physicians. And they have this amazing guarantee that if you take it and you don't go to your doctor and the doctor says, doesn't, if you take it and you go to your doctor and the doctor doesn't say something like, you need to keep doing that because your health is so good, they'll refund your money. So if you head on over to fieldofgreens.com and you can find the link right below the website, fieldofgreens.com, and you purchase the product, you're going to get 15% off. And then if you take on a monthly delivery or monthly subscription, which you can suspend or stop at any time, you get an additional 10% off. It's a fantastic product. been taking it. I love it. There's a couple different flavors. And it's just a super, super product. So you're not going to be, miss, you're not going to be disappointed in any way. And this whole body nutrient model or I should say the whole food nutrient model is so in line with the things we talk about with county by county and the things we talk about in Patriot Gardens to use God's gifts to bring us the greatest health possible. So I would really encourage you to head on over. And like everything else, I do try stuff before I ever promote it. Really impressed with this product, impressed with the company, impressed with everything about them. So head on over to fieldofgreens.com fieldofgreens.com. Use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, the most popular, famous BARDS code on the web, I swear. And in doing so, you're going to get 15% off. And then if you take a subscription, it's going to take an additional 10% off. So check that out. I think you'll be very happy with the product. And it's got a great guarantee. So there you go. Okay. So I, I want to start with this concept of love, which, ugh. In the way that we say that word, and I, I'm one that kind of cringes, not because I don't believe in love in a Christian sense, but 
the way this word has become so burdened and deconstructed in our time. We say love, and the first thing you think of is some sort of carnal activity. And if a guy says he loves another guy or I'm doing this out of love, you're like, man, dude, are you gay? That's unfortunately what has happened to a beautiful word. And part of the problem is in English, we only have one word for it, and there's no refining it. But in the Greek, it's agape. And the definition of this is quite interesting because agape love is to seek the highest for someone else, to seek the highest for someone else. That's, that's a beautiful way of looking at what we're doing. When we talk about love our neighbor, we're trying to do the greatest and best for someone else. And so we have to work hard when we use this term love in our faith to really orient it. Because the one thing about this cult of pedophiles and Luciferian Baal Moloch worshipers is that they have taken this beautiful concept of God's love and they've turned it into carnal love which is also just dirty. Everything they do is about you know, subduing, subjugation, exploitation, and, and submissive. Everything is about, their culture is about taking a beautiful concept and turning it into just a dirty way of, of playing it out. And that has been, that has permeated our culture deeply. And we've got to a point now with Pornography addictions are off the rails for men and women. And that's such a tragedy, obviously, because that just completely transforms and destroys the principle of intimacy within love in the fullness of what it means. And especially when we talk about this highest level of love, which is agape, which is do the highest for someone else. Seek seek the highest for someone else, right? Principally, the... I start here because the most important thing we can be working on right now is being in a place where we are helping one another. The fellowship that we live in the world, as we seek it, God provides the opportunities. And I don't think there's anything more fulfilling when God leads us. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg on your behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors of Christ or for Christ. It's pretty amazing when you think about that. And that is truly our birthright. Our expectation, our obligation, however you want to frame that. And the center of all of that is going to be agape love. This world is deeply broken, deeply fragmented. And so much of that derives from a mass level of perpetual deception. For those of you that have been here really any length of time past one day, you will know where I sit with the worship of idols. And this is a really important time where all of that starts to come true, why we mustn't. The big news of this evening was the indictment of President Donald J. Trump, which is going to send the rabidness of the left off the chain. If you've thought they were rabid before, wait till you see this. And there's going to be 
celebration and mockery, chiding, baiting, all these things are going to happen. And the the bot farms of the AIs are going to be unleashed and the trolls are going to be going crazy. The news media will be cycling it day and night. We're, we're into a new level of crazy. They are all going to be finally convinced that President Trump is going to be in jail in an orange jumpsuit somewhere down in Gitmo because of something that Stormy Daniels wrote that she's already said isn't entirely true. But that's and then tonight they've added 34 or 35 new indictments on business fraud. Most of this is, I personally believe, it's all part of a greater initiation for more power, which is why I played in the previous show the clip by Tucker Carlson when he specifically referred to it as a humiliation ritual. That is very specific to the Masonic order of being publicly humiliated and in this case, for President Trump, this is a global humiliation that they must pass through these rites of passage to be able to achieve greater power. That's my personal opinion. You can disagree, obviously. But um, I don't think we're seeing the truth. And the reason I bring this up is at the center of everything that God does is truth. So when I start reading things like I have way too many times about how President Trump's anointed, he is working in the blessings of God. We've even had people going so far as to say that he's part of Jesus's bloodline. That's been the latest one. The problem I have with all that, besides the claim, is just the fact that fundamentally God does not work in the realm of deception to mislead people intentionally. And we've seen a great deal of that. And we are continuing to see a great deal of that and a great deal of obfuscating of of the of the truth and we and this isn't God's way in any in any way we have to seek a greater a higher calling and that higher calling is centered on our ability to build relationships with our neighbors and helping one another it's fundamental in in biblical way i mean that is Fundamentally, we must love our neighbor. That was Christ's direction to us. And that's when we say love, again, we get this word that brings in all sorts of, of misconceptions. I have said this to people and they respond back, well, I can't love my neighbor because he's a hateful Democrat. Or I can't love my neighbor because um, I would mean I'd have to forgive him for promoting the shot. Well, again, biblically speaking, if we can't forgive, we cannot be forgiven by Father. And in this sense, when we're talking about agape love, to seek the highest for somebody else, the highest for them, that is an art, that is an act of true giving as a, a joyful giver as God asks us to be and seeks for us to be. So I bring all this here to begin tonight because so much of what we're heading into is going to be a storm of another magnitude as you start to see people on both sides of the aisle, what I'm referring to as Lucifer's pendulum, start losing their mind. And some of it's going to be a show and some of it's going to be a consequence of people being too rooted in the emotions of politics. 
And it's easy for me to say, step back. When I say easy, the words themselves are easy to say. Step back and stand in the place where the captain of the Lord of Hosts army stood, which as I've We've told this story many times now, re- recounted the story many times, is when Joshua comes to him and he says, are you for us or against us? And he says, no. No is so critical because he's not in either of the bipolar views of for and against. He is with God. And God's position is pure and true. And when he declares where he stands then as holy ground, that's a deeper message there that we ourselves are not of this world and can proclaim that place for ourselves if we're not in Lucifer's pendulum, which is this bifurcated back and forth nonsense. But what does that really mean for us? Because in the sense of metaphor, it's easy to talk about it, but what does that mean in terms of action? And this is, a, this is just a follow-on of a conversation I had literally about 20 minutes ago. Uh, no, now it's, I guess, about an hour ago with Pastor Brad Cummings. And it was just a question that he put to me that I'm answering here tonight, which is, how do you see that moment? Because it's easy to, just as I'm saying, it's easy to speak to that, but what's the action item that people can do? And what he's been looking at is a very in-depth study of, of Americans, of where they sit politically, spiritually, emotionally at this moment in time. It was one of the most thorough researches and surveys ever done. Where it wasn't done by phone. It was done by face-to-face. It was had no reference to political party or religious belief, nothing like that. You know, nearly 4,000 families were interviewed face-to-face with in-depth questions to put this base survey together. It took almost three years to do. And what's amazing is when you come out of this, it's about 80, I think it's 86% in there absolutely want, they they believe in America, in the principle of what America is supposed to be. And the majority of those are equally against what they're seeing. But the one thing that they all agree on, and this didn't matter where their faith was, is that they would die to protect their families. It's a profound thing. But they're not believing in throwing the baby out with the bathwater, meaning just to cast this system all down. And they're still looking for an effective change through the system. Now, perhaps we could say some of that's naive. The fact is that the step away from when we start throwing everything out, it shakes a lot of people up. And it leaves an enormous amount of doubt as to where this will go because we've lost so much trust in ourselves and we've lost so much trust in working together because, in my opinion, so much of this is rooted in our lack of building relationships with one another. Trust is a very hard thing in this day and there is many layers of it. And when we deal with trust between one another, fundamentally, We've been told, we've been inoculated and indoctrinated into this principle that everyone's got a counter motive. So essentially that's saying that there is no trust. When we deal with trust between opposite sexes, it's equally difficult because there is so much said out here. If, as an example, 
I was driving down the road the other day, and there was a young woman walking in the middle of a rain that became a sleet and snowstorm. And I saw a car pull over ahead. I mean, someone needed to pick her up, and she was well-dressed, obviously out of place for where she should be. Her car may have broken down. She was on the cell phone. I don't know, but it was the storm was bad. But here's the things that will go through your head in this day and age. If you pick somebody like that up as a right thing, what happens if they scream, well, you try to attack me, try to molest me, try to rape me? It's her word against yours. And we're in this situation where if you're a guy, you're going to lose. You're done unless you got a camera in the car. And you're still going to lose in the short term because the media is going to get hold of it and run with the story before it ever happens because it's going to run the accuser story because she's a woman first. That's just real. That's just the way it is. So how do we get past these things? Because this is a really difficult time as we are trying to hold fast to a foundation that's our constitution that was built on we the people. And we the people isn't me the person. It's not I. There's no I and we. It's we the people. And that gets back to a principle of, of agape, to seek the highest for someone else. Now, that doesn't mean that suddenly I put myself in an ordinate risk by picking up a stranger and putting him in my Jeep and expecting everything to be okay. I have no idea about that. We have to be careful and we have to vet, and that's just the way it is. But we're going to have to listen very closely to God. And we're going to have to learn in ways to figure out how to trust one another, which is not a simple equation. But I think it really begins where we live and how we live. And that is to begin with truly making an effort to getting to know our neighbors. And that's just where I've talked about this whole principle of a sourdough revolution. Getting accustomed to making something and sharing it. There's a, somebody in Bars Nation that wrote me on Telegram, and his comment was, I can't believe the things you have me doing. I'm actually making sourdough bread now. And then he went on to say, I, I made two loaves. I didn't get a chance to eat my first loaf because my wife grabbed the first loaf and took it over to our neighbors. And I love that story. And it's such a right thing to do. And it's sharing what is best with us to our neighbors as a gift. In principle, as we get accustomed to doing this, we are literally beginning to build our tribes and we're beginning to reset trust and we're living into that most fundamental principle of agape and loving thy neighbor. But this world is not going to function well if we can't figure a way through this and ourselves learn how to get along. The chaos, it's going to come in one form or another. And they can try to slow roll this as much as possible. I'm reading more stuff now than ever about this is the plan. Trust the plan. Um, the quantum system is ready to go online. The quantum system is going to change everything, and it's going to provide money, and it's going to end up bringing the Sarah, just Sarah stuff in. It's just off the chain. And then you've got the... AI robotics folks that are going, hey, this is going to be a great new great new era. AI is going to be working with us in partnership. It's a new, this is what the real secret plan is. And we've got 
robotics that are going to be out here doing all the menial tasks we used to do to free us up so we can achieve our higher level of consciousness. Oh, my goodness. Because nobody wants to do the hard work. And the hard work is living and doing and getting along. It's not trying to find something to replace my duties, but instead it's learning how to work together in a community. If you think about it, anybody that believes in having a robot to do the tasks that you don't want to do, if that's somebody something that they want and seek, I'll take this to another very human level. That also tells me that if it was legal, every one of those people would be a slave owner because they wouldn't have the moral burden or the legal violation if they could own a human to do the things they didn't want to do. But instead, since they do have those things, they have the moral burden and they have the legal violation, they are looking at this as an opportunity to have a slave, but it's going to be in a mechanical form. These are modern class slave owners. If we lived in more of a communal sense, and that doesn't take away our individuality, but if we put more emphasis on loving thy neighbor, it would be an amazing world we would live in because we would start to find a new type of existence where some of the things we were doing might actually become shared tasks and as a neighborhood we would start to work together. Where do we see that happen regularly? In Amish country. A simple example of that, which you can find anywhere on the web, is a barn raising. And that used to be the old world way anyway. Or people coming together to build a house. And everybody put pitches in for the benefit of one. And isn't to say that it isn't like the whole community is going to live in that thing, but they all come together for the benefit of a family and then they go on their separate ways, but they dedicate time to literally working and doing something of their highest order for somebody else. I don't, I see that as us being ambassadors for Christ. I see this as us living out that reality of what Christ told us we needed to do. And in this time, we, in my opinion, but I think I can show it biblically here in a second, we need to be being very decisive in these thoughts and not walking the middle anymore. We've been able, all of us, in one way or another, to kind of navigate a gray space in between loving thy neighbor and not at all. So we can kind of, and then we kind of not. But I want to read, when you read Revelation 3, 6, it's pretty humbling when you think about what's said here. So because you are lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's a profound statement. And that's an expectation that we are to be decisive and committed in a deep way. It's not walking in the body of Christ is not a squishy zone. It's all in, but it's not gray space where you're kind of in and kind of not. So we are in a time when much of this is being revived and these very clear missions are being revived. 
And with that, we have before us an enormous opportunity to live truly in one of the most powerful spaces that we are told to live, which is to love thy neighbor. Take a drive through any town. I would argue any town in America at this point in time. And you're going to see a disproportionate level of homeless and a disproportionate level of people in need than we've ever seen before. And right now, that's where the victory lies. Look at it like this. And I'll just share with you a conversation I had. And this goes back to about 2012, 2013 roughly. I had my office in Portland, Oregon. In fact, where my office was is was right down near the Union Station, train station in Portland, which is now Antifa Central. But I met, I was doing a lot of work in Portland. This may have been as late as, this was 2013, because this is when Occupy was there. And I was doing a lot of research on the Occupy movement, observing with the Portland Police Department, seeing how they did their operations. And ended up having an engagement with one of the city planning officials. And what, was, what I noted, which was interesting, is the city was encouraging a lot of homeless to camp out down near the train station, which wasn't too far from my office, about a block and a half. They were also allowing homeless to sleep in the doorways, which was creating other problems like not being able to get out of your building at night because they'd block the door. And then Portland has a regular poop, had a regular poop cleanup duty that they would go around at about three or four in the morning and they would power wash all the streets so that the human waste could be rinsed away and you'd feel it was all rosy clean in Disneyland the next day. So I asked the, the city planner, so why do you put these people down here? Because they're within three blocks, literally three blocks away in the Pearl District. You could walk down in, on a summer day and all the wealthy would sit out there on the sidewalks or in the wannabe wealthy, sit out on the sidewalks and on white tablecloths and drink their Chianti and eat their pasta and whatever else they were having out there. And the homeless were literally three blocks away. And his comment to me was, well, we thought this was a good place to put them and encourage them to be because that way the two groups can get to know each other and understand each other better. This is a typical liberal point of view. And so my response to him was, you don't know my background, I said, but I've worked counterinsurgency. I taught at the Counterinsurgency Academy in Kabul. I said, someone like me or others I've worked with, I said, if I was to get inside those homeless people, and work with them. I said, I could radicalize them very quickly and I could turn your peaceful little relationship into a bloodbath with them seeking to take what the rich had at their expense. This is an interesting moment because this city planner had never heard of anything like that, let alone conceived of it, um, turned about as white as a sheet. But this is the problem that we are in right now, which is as an extreme level. And as we pull back from those in need, this system is rolling out to fill that gap and to marginalize us. There's a lot of effort going on with federal money to be building housing facilities all over for homeless people. 
They're doing this because they need the votes. They're doing this because they're, they're giving, in this state in particular, in Oregon right now, they're rolling out, I think it's 1000 to 2000 a month of a UBI. They're putting them up in hotels. But this is a very specific group of people. If you're working a job, if you're doing, you don't qualify, but if you're homeless and you're effectively abandoned, especially if you have a drug problem or you have other criminal issues, they're going to stick you in a hotel or they're going to build a special facility for you so you can live there. They're going to give you a basic income. And the whole thing they're looking for is your vote. And the problem is that these people are going to be beholden to that purse. And as this economy continues to turn and goes down, I guarantee you, there are many areas that will be cut before they cut that funding because that group of people will ensure a transition to a socialist empire. Now, how we handle this, we have a lot of choices. But it's essential that what we're doing right now in this world is working with one another. And I'm not targeting specifically people that are displaced from homes. I'm just talking overall in building an attitude of what Agape means and what loving thy neighbor means. Because when people become aware, I don't care who they are, that they're being used for someone else's intent. And I think you'll find this with a lot of people that have been literally homeless, living on the street. They're pretty street smart. They don't like getting played. Now, they'll go along for free stuff because why not? I mean, if someone walks up to you and says, hey, how'd you like to have $1,000 in a room to stay? I'd be like, cool, what do I need to do? Nothing. Okay. But when they start to learn the idea that they're being used for specific objectives, like they're going to be expected to vote a certain way, people with good street sense typically will be like, yeah, whatever, not playing the game. The problem is that no one has experienced in that, very few in that culture have experienced a true sense of fellowship and loving thy neighbor. And it's everywhere around us right now. And we talk in, in a very static sense of loving thy neighbor, like my neighbor right next door, he, well, he probably needs Jesus a lot, I guess. I don't know. But my point, I mean, the ones across the street do, they need a whole bunch of Jesus. So that's my bread mission. But the point is that in a broader sense, when we're walking into our world, we tend not to want to go into the places of risk. And yet that's where the real ministry is. Christ met with prostitutes and tax collectors. And he was excoriated for it. And yet he knew something very important. These people that were kind of the tax collectors reviled and the prostitutes is seen at the bottom of the barrel. But when people are that far out and Christ took time with them, they became some of the greatest in the belief in what he had to say. And I'm sure that some of that language and some of those discussions were pretty off color. And I know that most people that will say they are Christian, would be very offended by those conversations and rebuke them and probably send them away. But Christ didn't. And I think that that typifies for me the 
the level of reach that we need to be doing. There is so much good that we can be doing in this world, and it should drive us. And as we listen to Father, I believe he leads us there. Unfortunately, I think we get in our own way. And it, we, tend, it, we tend to put a lot of fears before us. We tend not to be upfront and honest in our heart of where we stand with people. And we build mountains where there are none. And we avoid some of the deeper outreaches that really could be profound. This isn't about politics. This is about saving souls. I could care less what somebody wants to do with a funding of something. And I can't, I can't ever criticize somebody who is without a place to, to stay other than on the street living in a, on a sidewalk. If someone's saying, hey, how would you like to have a room? And I'll give you some free money. I mean, of course you're going to say yes. But even then, our outreach needs to be deeper because we're trying to bring people home. And that all centers again around our true sense of what are we trying to achieve, and that's loving thy neighbor. It should always be our goal to raise people up and to do what is ever necessary to help them be successful. And that begins with a empowered and loving experience with the living God. Some of this may just be like normal talk, like, yeah, 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 I get all this. And that's great. But I do feel it pretty heavy on my heart right now because we're going into a very chaotic point in time. And there's going to be an increasing level of need. We can't fix all the problems in the world. But as I have said a lot this week, we can affect the lives of those in Bars Nation that are in need. And then as we go from there, reaching beyond that to, to whatever we need to do. This storm is going to get nuts. It already is nuts. We've just become accustomed to it, if you want to be honest. If you think about where you are today and where you were five years ago, and like I started with, this sort of, sort of craziness in this world we're in where we literally have transgenderism as a regular discussion every day, gender-flipping kids as a normal way of doing business in public schools. We have Satanists, open Satanists in the administration. We have the Church of Satan taking their case to the Supreme Court, arguing that abortion is their legal right and religious right. I mean, this world is inverted. And I don't think there's ever been a more important time for us to administer that love in Christ to people. But with that, we face a massive obstacle, and it's perception. The perception, when we start to speak in terms of Christ, for many people, it's a repelling moment because they've been so indoctrinated to believe that all Christians want something in return and are there to proselytize and force a belief on them. That's not the living God. If they have an experience with the living God, there's no forcing anything. They're humbled and alive and on their knees in total awe and experiencing something they've never had before.
There's a pastor in Portland, Paul, a friend of mine, that really walks beautifully with Father God. And he gets pulled regularly just in line at the grocery store to pay for somebody's groceries behind him, just randomly. So he's in line the other day, and he gets the nudge. And so as he's checking out, he makes sure and pays for the, pre- the guy's groceries is behind him. And as he leaves with his groceries, he's walking out. This guy comes running out of the market, screaming at him. What are you doing? You think I can't afford my groceries? Paul's like, hey, man, God just told me to pay for your groceries. That's it. He's like, oh, so you're one of those Christians. What do you want? Paul's like, I don't want anything. I just listen to God. He's like, you want something. You're a Christian. You want something. What do you want? What do you want from me? And he kept going on. As Paul tells the story, finally disengaged with him. And this guy was just in a frenzy. And he kept trying to look for what Paul wanted. And Paul kept telling him, I don't want anything. I just did as God led. Which, that's just the most beautiful thing to do, but it's totally misunderstood. So Paul put it to prayer. And he's like, all right, Father, what what is going on here? Because I expected... He has an expectation. That Paul has the expectation that he's going to get a thank you. And as he tells a short story, he says, very humbling because God said, good job. Paul's like, what do you mean good job? This guy's pissed off. And God said, no, he just learned something. You just broke every paradigm in his life of what it was like when he encountered Christians before, you're walking with me in the love of me. And he just discovered that love has no strings attached. That's a beautiful thing. And it's something that, it's a story I hold on to, even though it's fairly recent. It's just one I'm going to catalog and have out there. And it's something to remember. Because as we're seeking to do that highest level for someone else, There are no strings attached to that. We're going to have to take some risk. And we're going to have to build some trust. And sometimes we're going to get crushed. It just happens. But that's our part of getting crushed, just as our experience. But it doesn't take away the impact we have on others. We might be disappointed in outcomes, but we can't hang on to outcomes. This is a process where when God leads... He's putting us there. And when we're willing to step there, he's going to give us more opportunity. This world right now needs so much more love, agape love. We, And the amazing thing is that what sets us apart as Christians is that willingness and ability to do it, knowing that as we pray into things, God will lead us to those places to do just that. And this is where I think things get so complicated in our faith because we talk of agape love, loving thy neighbor and doing the right thing. And we have been so indoctrinated about the enemies that lurk within the shadows and are always ready to spring up out of the bushes to assault you and kill you and rape you and do all these other things that we, we don't do well at putting those two things together. 
So we like to think always in terms of the negative, but we don't think of the of the impact of the positive. Two guys in my parents' church came in the other day. They were homeless. They came in and they got a cup of coffee and they got a cinnamon roll. They have some security there naturally for taking the place of greeters. And one of the guys came up and asked him, he said, can we help you? And they're like, the first question out of their mouth was, are we late for the service? If, as my dad was describing it, if you looked at them, you would judge them. And you, you're immediately on the defensive. You don't know what their motives are. But in the engagement, they just wanted to know if they were. And the engagement's appropriate, and some of the suspicion in churches is appropriate in this day and age. I'm not taking any of that away, so I'm not minimizing that. But their intent was that they just wanted to be at the service. The power of God's word is mighty. The sword of the spirit is mighty. Loving thy neighbor is a profound act that truly brings us together. When we start to do things where we're physically breaking bread and sitting with one another, we start to learn in these engagements that we're really not as different as we're being told that we are. And I speak that from so much experience of sit, sitting with some really bad people. And even the bad people, sometimes you're like, man, I don't even know why we're on the wrong side because it seems like we see a lot of the things the same way within reason. But it's that process of getting a chance to have a conversation. And when we show the value of our interest in somebody else, they're going to take interest in what we have to say. And we start to really mend these divisions and these wounds that have been put upon us. And we have to do this. We have some big challenges ahead of us. I don't care who wins presidency in 2024 or where our division lines be or what the deep state is. This power of change is out of their reach. It's in our hands. And that's the most glorious part of everything. They can't affect what I do on a daily basis with my neighbor, with the people I engage with, the people I come across, because that's where the true power of the Holy Spirit rides. Whatever happens in D.C., man, that's Puzzle Palace and Clownville. I can't affect it. But if I can affect my area where I live and my county and make it a better place, a greater prospering place for the loving Christ, the living Christ, and bring alive the power of my love in him through acts of kindness and through the walking of loving thy neighbor in the agape sense, I'm telling you, we become the most forceful agents of change the world has ever seen. Because a couple of things result in that. One is a profound love and respect for our Father. Two is an appreciation of fearlessness in a world and lack of obedience to a system that wants to exploit us and our true obedience to him. And three, an ability to walk into the world 
and extend that love into other people's lives. The true sense of paying forward. Jeremiah 6.16 Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. I'm going to walk in it. I hope you do. For those that want to break and go that other way, it's a lonely path. But in that narrow path that we're walking now, There can't be anything greater than loving thy neighbor. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you this evening for a blessed time in this fellowship to come together to reflect and to truly have a a reflection on where we are and the amazing opportunities that sit before us. One of the most amazing things, Father, that you remind us of is when things seem to be the roughest and when things seem to be of greatest calamity, as we walk in kingdom, they are the places of greatest opportunity. So thank you. What a humbling reflection we have on our world. As we get wrapped around the negative and live within the negative, we cease to see the glory of the opportunities you put before us. Let us find in our hearts the strength and mightiness of loving thy neighbor in a way that's truly within the walk of Jesus. Let us take the risks and understand you're with us. Let us hear your voice and guide us to those opportunities to literally love one another in the true sense of agape, to seek the highest for someone else, a selfless act of kindness. Let us be the ambassadors of Christ. Guide us in these times, Father, and bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All thoughts that are I'm carrying tonight, important reflections, I think, for the time in which we live. And trying to get my feet settled as much as anybody before we walk into this clown storm is going to start tomorrow morning as early as you can get up. All of this designed to keep us off base, to keep us bouncing back and forth, to keep the hate flowing from side to side. I'm just not going to do it. And as we walk that way, if we can keep our head in that way, We can be a tremendous force of change. It's a center path. It's the ancient path. It's where the good way is. And I'm going to walk in it. Join me. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
So. 